Welcome to episode 149 of the Daniel Yoris Podcast with today's guest, me. Let's go. Sometimes, oftentimes, the best way to get the podcast started is just to hit record and let it rip. So here we go. Episode 149, just me today. Q&A, we'll do a little bit of a year wrap up slash look ahead into the new year and talk about some new year's goals for myself and, and new year's goal setting in general. And... um that's pretty much it, and we'll try and stay on topic. I'll get to as many of the questions as I, as I can. There's some some solid ones here, um, and that's that. If my voice sounds a little run down today, I'm recording this on December 22nd. This past week and a half has been crazy with just trying to wrap up things for the year, getting people, getting a couple new clients started, getting programs out to everyone who needs stuff for. January. So there's been, but like, I think today I wrote eight programs yesterday, four programs. Like it's just been a wild, but, um, and, and a lot of talking on the phone, a few podcasts recorded this week, this week has just been chaos. And so if my voice sounds a little bit run down, uh, that's why, but I actually did want to talk about that a little bit and not necessarily just my voice. Um, but just in the, in the busyness of things. And, and as we get into this year wrap up, um, I know that I say this very often, but I very much appreciate each and every one of you who listens. It, it means a lot to me. There's a lot of behind the scenes work that goes into recording these episodes and putting these episodes and continuing to do this. Like we're going, we're, we're approaching three years now on this one episode a week. And, you know, as a solo operator operation here, it's um, sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it doesn't feel like all that much. But when I actually look at the amount of time and stuff that it gets put into it, um, it is a lot. This year has been a very good growth year for the podcast um, in terms of you guys telling your friends about it, leaving reviews and, and comments and on all that stuff. And so if you haven't done that, please do so. It means a heck of a lot. It helps way more than you think. Um, but either way, I, I just want to say that I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being with me, whether you've started listening this year or from the very beginning or anything in between. Um, I appreciate you uh, an absolute ton. So thank you for that. Now, as far as my rundownness up to this point, the reason this is relevant is because we all kind of have these periods of time that will come up, whether they be right now at the end of the year, various busy times of the year for work for you, if your job has any any sort of seasonality to it, um, and, and or if you're just getting sick or whatever other things are happening in your life. And so I just want to kind of go through a few things that are like keeping me going, keeping my energy up and keeping me like feeling good and feeling like I'm still getting the things done, even though there is some chaos and things are not quote unquote perfect. By not perfect, I mean I was scheduled for four workers this week. I'm going to get two in plus some walks. That's okay. It happens. My sleep hasn't been great. I've been going to bed a little bit later than usual, waking up a little bit earlier than usual, so tightening that sleep window and also been going to bed like quite stressed, so my sleep hasn't been good stress, but not that there's anything bad happening, but just stress overall. Stress can be good or bad or otherwise going to bed a little bit stressed. My sleep quality hasn't been as good. And so these things are happening. And it's like, but I've still got things to do. I've still got podcasts to record. I've still got clients that need to be checked in with clients that need programs, clients that need this, uh, you know, continuing to post on social media, continuing to upkeep the podcast, all of these things. And I'm not trying to say that I'm more busy than anyone else or anything like that at all. I don't have children. I don't have a lot of other things that, that a lot of people have. So this is not a, this is not a, who's the busiest competition. This is just the reality of my life this week. And some of the things that keep me going. One is trying to maintain some regularity of the sleep schedule. Now, this can obviously be be tough, but if you can at least say like, okay, I'm going to 
I'm going to go to bed later, but at least for this week, go to bed the same time <laughs> later as you can. Um, if you usually go to bed at 10 and now you've got to push it to 11, then keep it at 11 every day. If you can keep your bedtime routine, even if it's a condensed version of it, that also uh, really helps an absolute ton. And especially staying off screens right before bed, even if it's only 20 minutes, like I, it's harder when you're busier. And especially for like for me right now, like I'm, I'm on my phone or usually my phone answering messages or whatever up until very close to the time when I when I'm actually going to sleep. And um, and that's not usually how I operate. But if you can avoid that as much as possible, then that will be that will be excellent. I'm also probably gonna have to stop and drink a little bit more um, during this episode than normal. So I apologize if I make noise doing that. Um, now another couple of little things that are like supplement wise, little hacks and things that I use. So not to be like a very stereotypical podcaster. It's not an AG1 ad, I promise. I have been recently getting into the Element packs. Uh, it's like a salt electrolyte drink. And I've been using those a lot. And that and that is a thing that has helped me a lot. So staying hydrated is something that often will go out the window in times when you're like when you're pretty busy. Remembering to drink water, keeping up with drinking water, you're stressed, you might be sweating more, your body's running a little hot, all that kind of stuff. If you can be more hydrated, that's always going to help you. And if you can use something to help you with that hydration, like an electrolyte pack, like the Element packs, um, it's a, it's a good idea. I wouldn't rely on this. It doesn't replace just drinking regular water and all that stuff, you know, as normal. And there's there's certainly a case to be made that this is just something that could be taken for most people most of the time. Um, but in these types of things, you really notice that it helps you a little bit more. So staying hydrated when you're crazy busy, and if you need to use something, a, a product or supplement to help with that, that's one thing uh, that will help as well. Another thing shortening your workouts, but still keeping the workouts. I haven't really had time to get my full workouts in. I scheduled for four. I got two in this week. That's okay. And I got some extra walks in and I use like, I use my weighted vest to make it a little bit more challenging per se, more workout like kind of thing, get a little bit heart rate going up a little bit more, a little bit more of a sweat, all that kind of stuff. Not that that replaces strength training by any means, but it's still, still good. Now, the other workouts that I did, they weren't even the full workouts that I had scheduled, but they were shortened versions of that same workout. So you get the most important stuff done and you kind of skip off the back. And that's, again, none of these things should be your plan for the most, for most of the time. But in these times of, of, uh, you know, busy seasons, it's, it's very useful. Now that is a useful strategy and it seems so simple to say that, but a lot of people will skip their entire workout if they can't get the whole thing in. Excuse me. So if you usually have your workout that takes an hour, or you don't have an hour today, you only have half an hour, 45 minutes, it's okay to skip parts of your workout at the end. Um, don't skip your main work. Like if you have squats and then a bunch of other stuff, don't skip your squats, like get your squats in and then see what else you can cut off the end. But just getting some of it in is, is still going to help you stay on track. Another little thing that's helped me on the, on the things that kind of work better than they should, and I always hesitate to like talk about supplements and these things too much because I know that a lot of people misconstrue what it means and that it, it's a it's a, um, a panacea for certain other things for taking care of the basics and they're not but they definitely do help anyone who says supplements don't work is it's it's, it's incorrect 
So a couple of other things that I've taken to help me keep going. One has been nootropics. And these are something that I've talked about like very often on the podcast. We have a couple episodes with the Wukio team and other people, part part of that team. Uh, the Apex product, it's like their nootropic thing. Nootropic essentially means a, a supplement that helps your boost your brain. All natural, all that stuff. It's not prescription or anything like that. Um, but that's, that's helped me keep going. So now that doesn't work when you're not sleeping, not taking care of yourself, not whatever, and you can just take this and boom, feel amazing. It works when you're like just maybe a little bit run down and you can get yourself back up or get yourself up a little bit higher. And it works even better when everything is dialed and then you can take it and then you're like above what you're usually at. So using those and utilizing just the caffeine timing, it's obviously no secret that I drink coffee and drink a fair bit of it. Um, but in- intelligently timing that. So I'm not timing it when it's close to bedtime and I'm trying to time it in accordance with things that I have to be doing. Like I would have had a coffee maybe 30 minutes before sitting down to record this podcast so that I know that it's kind of hitting me and peaking when I'm in the podcast, when I want my brain to be firing and and everything going versus having had that coffee like maybe two hours before recording this when it's starting to wean off and then I feel like I need to have another one and then I'm giving too much caffeine to myself so, which is obviously not a good thing, uh, but intelligently timing your caffeine intake, as well as if, you, if you're into the, the nootropics, the, the Wukio uh, Apex one is is really good. And I think I I might even ha- actually have a discount code on that one. I'm Honestly, I'm not really sure, but message me and, and, and I'll send you the information. I'll, I'll find it. Um, so that's one, the other supplements, and, and these are just more general health things, they're not necessarily performance boosters in any, in any capacity, but just general health is, um, omega-3 magnesium zinc. Keep taking those and vitamin D, especially vitamin D it's winter time now, especially vitamin D. If you stay on top of those things, it's just going to, you're not going to notice anything, but you won't notice yourself getting as run down as quickly. So those are just a few things. None of those should be earth shattering. All things that I've spoken about many, many times before, um, helpful to helpful to know and helpful to reiterate as we get into busy times and you can you know use those and and apply those um as you see fit in in your own life so get into a couple of questions here first question is there a correct rate at which to add weight to your reps to your exercises this is a really good question and and deserves um some nuance so the answer, as always, is it depends. Um, there's not a hard and fast rule of you must increase by this amount of weight every week, or you must not exceed this rate of improvement, uh, this rate of increase of weight every single week, or something like that. There's no hard and fast rule, and it will kind of change per exercise. For example, you might be able to add 10 pounds to your squat, right? You're squatting barbell back squatting. You add a five pound, uh, five pound plate on each side. Great. So it's an increase of 10 pounds overall, which is like a pretty, that would be like a pretty normal rate of increase for an exercise like a squat. However, you're not going to add 10 pounds to your dumbbell lateral raises when you're only lateral raising 15 pounds. You're not just going to go from 15 to 25. A thing that you need to pay attention to with these things is, you know, you don't need to be a mathematician to figure this out, but just close enough. I'm certainly not is the the percentage increase of the weights. So when you're at when you're doing an exercise with 10 pounds and you increase from 10 pounds to 15 pounds, 
that is a 50% increase, right? It's only five pounds, but it's 50%. Versus if you're at 100 pounds on a barbell back squat and you go from 100 to 105, well, it's still only five pounds, but it's a 5% instead of a 50% increase. So the relativity matters as well. So understand that a little bit in like smaller exercises that are weaker exercises, you're obviously going to increase them by smaller amounts and or increase the weight slower. You might use the, you might increase reps more frequently and, and higher than you would increase weight. So the way to think of it is this. Some people call this the double progression, double progression method or double progression model. I'm going to have a hard time with words today. You can, you can already tell. Um, and it's as, it's as follows. It's a very, very simple method of progressive overload and probably the way that like more or less everyone should go unless you're getting into something more complicated. But it's as this. It's as follows. Say your reps are 10 to 12. Your, your coach prescribed reps, 10 to 12. Great. Week one, and I'm using simple numbers here just to make it even, make it easy. Week one, you do that exercise. Uh, you use 100 pounds and you do it for 10 reps. Great. Week two. We have that rep range there, right? Week two, you still use 100 pounds. You try and hit the upper end of that rep range. So you go week two is 100 pounds for 12 reps. Now, 12 reps was pretty good. Felt pretty strong. Week three comes around. Now we want to go back down to the bottom of that rep range, increase the weight. So go week three, 105 pounds or 110 pounds for 10 reps again. Week four, 110 pounds for 12 reps. Week five, 110, 115 pounds for 10 reps. So each week you're increasing either reps or weight, kind of the opposite of whichever you increased last week. Use that same weight until you can hit the top of the rep range, then go back down to the bottom of the rep range after you increase the weight. That is a pretty standard way to do it. It works very well for most exercises. And again, it won't be, it won't always be that linear. You won't, every single week, you won't be able to add a rep or add a pound, but for the most part, that's what you should be, should be aiming for. Of course, some exercises, if it's like a dumbbell exercise, you can't really increase by only one pound, right? And so going from the 15s to the 20s, if your gym doesn't have a 17 and a half pound dumbbell, going from the 15s to the 20s might be too hard, even if you've hit the top of that rep range. Like you might be able to get 12 reps at 15 pounds, but you might not be able to get 10 reps at 20. If you go to 20, you might only be able to get like four or five. Now, depending on what your programming looks like and what you're aiming for, it's probably not a good idea. And then you can just increase that rep range. So you might add a set at 15. You might add reps, maybe go up to 15 reps instead of stopping at 12 reps. You might add an eccentric in there to kind of bridge the gap. There's a, there's a few programming options in there. Um, but the main thing is that there's not a hard and fast rule to as to what the rate is that you need to be increasing your weight. You should be trying to increase the intensity or the difficulty of the of your workout overall each week. And if that means increasing weight or increasing reps or both, then then do that. But typically, and I'll give this as a somewhat blanket recommendation, when you go to increase the weight, increase it by the smallest increment possible. So if your dumbbells go up in intervals of two and a half or five, then increase it by that smallest interval. If you can add five pounds to the bar, add five pounds to the bar if that's the smallest increment. If the you know the weight stack on the cable machine or whatever goes up in increments of five pounds, typically most machines will have like a five pound 
interval, then go up by five pounds at a time. And you'll know yourself, and this comes with just training experience, when you can actually push that a little bit farther. Like, okay, like I'm pretty strong at this. Like an additional five pounds is not going to increase it. I can jump up by 10 or I can jump up by 20 or whatever it is. So that is the part that comes with training experience, but don't be shy to, to push yourself so long as you're able to do the exercise safely and efficiently and effectively, then you can, you, there's no limit. You don't have to go up by only one pound or two and a half pounds at a time. Another question. This one would probably be better if it was like a me talking around in the gym, um, YouTube video. But the question was about how to brace your abs. Now, this is something that many trainers, all trainers will say like, okay, we're going to do squats. All right. Hit the bar on your back, brace your abs and then squat down. And people are like, what is, how do I brace my abs? Everyone says this, but we don't really ever talk about like how to actually do it. Now, bracing your abs is, there's, there's a couple ways that people say how to do this. One, it can feel like Brace your abs like you're about to get punched in the stomach, right? Imagine someone's about to punch you in the stomach. What would you do? And then that natural reaction. This can work sometimes, but also if you've never really braced your abs, you might just push out your stomach. So if you kind of like suck air into your belly and you push your belly out, that will feel like it makes your belly harder, let's say. That will feel like you're kind of bracing your abs, but that's not really using your actual abdomen. That's just your, your abdominal muscles, rather. You're filling your your stomach or your, your, your diaphragm and pushing your stomach out. So it can help, but not exactly a, a better way to think of it is this. And, th- and this does take some practice. There are a couple of exercises that really help with this. And, and there are a reason that I use them a lot in, in with many clients, especially uh, like in their first phase of programming, or especially if they're new to training in general is and it teaches you it's not that the exercise is difficult it's just that it really teaches you how to brace your abs and feel your abs and once you get that down then you can translate that into every single exercise ever so it's the mcgill curl up or a stability ball crunch and if you have questions about those like it's hard for me i can't demonstrate them for you right now on this podcast but uh send me a message and, and i'll help you out with those but essentially the mcgill curl up is you're lying on your back, you have one leg bent, your hands go under your back. You're going to push your belly button down into your spine without sucking in your belly. You're trying to drive your belly button down into your spine. And then imagine there's like a rope from the bottom of your ribs to the top of your hips. And then you have your hand on the top of that rope at your ribs and you're pulling that rope down, bringing your ribs close to your hips. That is what it, if you, and if you can get that right, it will feel easy if you're doing it wrong. And if you're doing it right, then you'll feel a deep contraction in your abs. Um, so that's that. And then the stability ball crunch is the same thing. You're going to sit on a stability ball. The ball is kind of like on your lower back, lower to mid back, uh, tuck your chin so you don't hurt your neck. You're going to extend up, lengthening that rope between the bottom of your ribs and top of your hips, lengthen that rope as much as you can, and then yank on that rope, bring your ribs down close to your hips. And that deep contraction with keeping your belly button pushing down into the ball that feeling is how to contract your abs. Now, all that said, to do this standing or sitting, you can still brace your abs. Right? You don't have to be in those positions. You, it's really easy to feel it and understand what it's like in those positions. Then you can translate that over. But if you're just standing, a way to do it is this. If you put your hand on your belly button, you can think of this. Bring your belly button, push it into your spine without sucking in your belly. Then bring your belly button up. Sorry, let me let me restart that. What you're going to do is this. Put your hand on your belly button. You're going to bring your belly button up, 
suck it in towards your spine, right? Compress your midsection and then push your belly button down. Now your stomach should be more flat here, not protruding out, like pushing out. Um, if you're, if you're pushing out, then you're just putting air in there. You're not actually squeezing the muscles. It should be like really tight and compact. If you can get that feeling and you can feel your abs contracting there, that is what bracing your core looks like. Because what you're trying to do, if you're, if you're watching the video is basically squeeze everything in around the middle of your body, like your midsection. And that that's what bracing your core is. So maybe I, I should do a video on this one where I'm kind of like, you know, showing it, but if you can imagine those things that I said and, and think about those exercises and using those exercises, the McGill curl up and the stability ball crunch, uh, that's how you brace your abs. Let me get another sip here. This is, this is not proving to go very well right now. Um, next question. Uh, this is just a question around fasting and whether someone should do extended day fast, three day fast, intermittent fasting, and generally what I think about it. It was like a, a long worded, you know, conversation kind of thing. Um, so a couple things, one there's, there's fasting has been, I haven't been around in the fitness industry for that long, relatively speaking, like coming up on nine years now and, and which can feel like a long time, but there are people who have been, you know, in their forties and fifties, even their sixties who have been obviously doing this for way longer than me, just because they've been alive for longer. And they've seen, and they talk about seeing trends, you know, recycle themselves and, and rename themselves. And I, you know, I hear them say this and like, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, I believe that that happens, of course, but fasting is kind of the first one that, that I'm seeing make a comeback. Like I remember when I kind of really started getting into this stuff, like more than 10 years ago, um, fasting was a, was a thing. People were, a lot of people were talking about intermittent fasting. It was really popular. It was like this new, you know, whatever. And I didn't know nearly as much as I know now and how to de decipher information and all this kind of stuff. And of course I tried it. I tried, I've tried lots and lots of things and, and lots of them were dumb and stupid. And, and some of them were useful. Everything has its place for the most part, but, um, Anyways, fasting is, is among is among those things, not completely stupid. The point, the reason that I'm saying that is because I've seen fasting kind of kind of come back now. It was hot for a minute, then it kind of, you know, people forgot about it, and now it's hot again. And I think it's because there's a certain select group of people who are talking about it, and then that somehow gets its way into like the celebrity space where there's a couple of high profile, not fitness people, but just, you know, actors and, you know, singers and public figures, let's say, who who swear by it and, oh, I used this and I lost so much weight and I did this and I did that. And it's like, okay. So anyways, we're seeing it come full circle again. I think that's why it's getting hot again. So this is why I wanted to, to address this. Fasting is a tool. It's not magic. A few episodes ago, I did an episode about how to decipher information, fitness information online. Always ask yourself this. If it was this easy, if the solution was just this, don't you think everybody would just do that? There's a reason why everybody doesn't do intermittent fasting or doesn't do three or four or five or seven day fasts. And it's because it doesn't work universally for everyone. That's that's the end of it. Now, some of the good things are from fasting is this. Intermittent fasting is a really good way to teach yourself to not be so uh, responsive to your hunger cues. Now, 
that can also be a slippery slope. You don't want to just completely ignore it and be starving all the time. But the point of it is that, especially when you're trying to lose weight, you're going to be a little bit hungry. And that's just an unfortunate part of it. It's what you're doing. If you always feel the need to give in every time you feel a little hunger pang, oh, I feel like I need a little something, and you're, and you're snacking, and you're taking some bites here and there, that is one of the absolute biggest things holding most people back from losing weight is just the snacking. If we simply rid ourselves of that, we would reduce calories by so much that we'd end up losing weight without really changing anything else with the diet or exercise. So if you can get control of that, 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 that voice in your head to, I just got to grab something a little bit now. I gotta. I just gotta satisfy this, and I'm gonna be good. It's tough to do, but intermittent fasting and putting those strict rules on that for you um, can really be beneficial. Just as well, if people struggle with nighttime snacking, when you put the intermittent fasting rules in, where it's like, hey, I'm only gonna eat from uh, you know noon to to eight o'clock, or one p.m. till nine p.m. or whatever things that people use. If you are going to adhere to that rule and not snack at nighttime because most people are not snacking on anything healthy at nighttime. But if you actually adhere to that rule and don't snack at night, it's not that snacking at night is wrong. It's just that when you're snacking at night, you're eating garbage and way too much of it. You're going to end up losing weight. So intermittent fasting is not some magic weight loss tool. It's just a strict set of rules that for some people really works by applying those rules to them the same way that someone might lose weight being vegan. Someone might lose weight being, um, uh, I almost yanked the mic out of the computer. Someone might lose weight being keto or being carnivore or following any other diet because it's just placing an, a set of rules around it, which is forcing you or, or getting you to eat a little bit less food and control your calories a little bit better. So that's, that's the thing with intermittent fasting. I don't think it's the best tool for most people for most of the time. I think it's a good thing to use for some people. This is like, you know, the most non-answer ever, but I think it's like I, some people should use it for a period of time just to learn, just to get the, the the experience of it. Some people, it really, really works well with their lifestyle, their work schedule, their personal preferences around eating, their social normities around eating and these kind of things. Some people, it's really bad for. It just doesn't work with them. For me personally, I'm hungry in the morning. I like to eat right when I wake up. I'll get going early in the morning. I'll feel low energy if I'm not eating. Some people say like, "Hey, if I if I don't eat in the morning, then I actually feel like way better energy going into the going into the day." To those people, I would say, "Well, what were you typically eating in the morning? If you're having a shitty breakfast, of course your energy is going to suck later on. But if you're having a good breakfast, which I am, then you're going to have good energy going into the day. So there's always like caveats to these things. So never take anything just at face value that, oh, so-and-so said it's good, so therefore it must be amazing. Like there's probably more to it. Otherwise, everybody would just do it. Now, the longer fasts, two, three, four, five, seven days. For mental toughness, cool. I think there's a lot of other ways to do it, but yeah, definitely, definitely checks that box. That would be a hard thing to do. As far as the claims about clearing out your dead cells and all this autophagy and all this, you know, cancer prevention and all these things, it's just complete rubbish. It's just not true. If it was true, nobody would tell you other than like, you know, big pharma, but there are like just regular fitness influencers, regular trainers, regular people like me who are like, hey, this is just not true. And it's not my opinion. 
this is just science. So, so we don't get to like, we don't get to really argue with this. You can make things up, but like, what does it mean? Kills all the dead cells in your body. Can the people who are promoting that explain that and prove it scientifically? They can't because it's not true. So if you want to do it for the purpose of mental toughness, great. People are people. The funniest thing about seeing people talk about this in the past, like couple of weeks is they say like, oh, I didn't do this for weight loss. I did this because of the, the cancer prevention and the blah, 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 all these other fake science things. Yet when they're like showing how they promoted or they're promoting that they did it, they're showing these like before and after pictures of their belly shrinking and like the weight on the, like there's there, you know, they weighed 200 pounds and then they weighed 190 pounds or whatever, three days later or something like that. And it's like, okay, but you're telling me that you, you didn't use this for weight loss yet you're promoting it by showing your belly shrinking and, and by showing your scale, uh, your, your weight dropping. I'm like, I'm, I'm missing the part where you claim to not have done this for the purported benefit of weight loss. And like, obviously you're going to lose weight in a very short term. If you don't eat for three days, of course you will. I, like it would be impossible not to, um, is that sustainable? Like what, what's the diet after the diet? Right. These are all questions that are that are worth asking that we don't see. Like, are you just going to have to the, the thing that's actually, I think, bad about this and dangerous about it for, for most people is that it will create this cycle of I do a three day fast. I lose 10 pounds, 12 pounds, 15 pounds, 20 pounds, whatever it is. I lose all this weight and then you go back to your regular habits because you can't just do like a you can't just fast for forever. Then you go back to your regular habits over the next couple of weeks or months. You gain all that weight right back because obviously if you just go back to doing what you were doing before, of course you're going to gain that weight back. And then because you didn't actually learn anything, didn't actually build any habits, didn't actually build any skills, what's the next thought that comes in your head? Oh, well, last time I hit, you know, the scale hit over 200 pounds. I did that three-day fast and I got down to 190. I got down to 185. I looked great. I felt amazing. And then you're just going to do it again. And then you just perpetuate this cycle of gaining and losing the same 10 to 15 pounds by doing these three-day fasts, not having actually learned anything and not having actually improved anything either. So that's the thing where you need to have a, a deep understanding of the nuance of what's going on and why you're actually doing it. Are you doing it because you're trying to kickstart something and then you're going to, you know, you want to test your mental toughness and test your fortitude and, and really, you know, get off to a good start. And then you're going to follow a diet and exercise routine and, and all this stuff. If that's the case, then like, you know, fine, like do your thing. I don't, I don't think, I don't want to, it can obviously be dangerous, but like, it's not that dangerous. Like you can do a three day fast and you're, and you're going to be fine. It's also hilarious that most of these three day fasts are actually not fast because they're, they are in fact eating and drinking, which is, which is funny, but Anyways, uh, like there are intaking calories, although albeit very, very low. <clears throat> so if you don't actually know what you're doing and why you're doing it, uh, you run the risk of making or creating a cycle where you will always have to revert back to doing that thing because that's the only thing, quote unquote, only thing that's worked for you up to that point. So if you're going to do it, be very aware, do it with your eyes wide open um, and really give yourself a uh, Really look yourself hard in the mirror and ask yourself why you're doing it and what you think that you're going to get out of it and what are you going to do after the fast is over. Last question, then I'm just going to talk about some new year uh, goal setting stuff. Um, I actually briefly mentioned this before, but there's a question about 
whether running and walking with the weight vest is worth it. I bought a weight vest, um, I want to say five months ago, six months ago, something like that. And I've been using it. I use it every week uh, for walks. Um, I haven't run with it. It's because I haven't. It's for a few reasons. I haven't been doing a ton of running in general. My knees, my my injuries are so bad. Like, and, and my propensity to get injured is so bad. Like, just in general. Running with the vest is putting... Obviously, like you're wearing more weight, right? You're heavier. When you run, there's more impact. Running already has a lot of impact. And if you have one slightly wrong step with a little bit more weight and the weight vest is like, it's secure, it's on you, but it still moves. It's not It's not actually part of your body. So the weight is shifting, which means your center of mass is shifting ever so slightly all the time. And with someone who has an injury history like me in their knees and ankles, it, it just seems like not a not a very smart idea. Uh, to be to be running, especially if it's running outside with with the weight vest. So I haven't been do- running with it. I have been walking an absolute ton with it, um, both outside and and on the treadmill. Um, I like it. I don't think it's absolutely necessary for anyone. I think it's a great tool. Um, I think it's a really good way to kind of as your level of fitness increases and your zone two level can kind of be you can you can still maintain your zone two cardio, but at a little bit of a higher heart rate, a way to get that heart rate up a little bit higher and still stay in zone two, zone two without starting to run, um, is, is using the weight vest because it's just making it slightly more difficult, right? There's a marginally higher calorie burn, which is negligible uh, effectively as with, as it is always with cardio, like cardio, yes, it, it burns calories, but like, so does everything else. So that's not the purpose of cardio. The purpose of cardio is training your heart. Um, but it allows you to stay in zone two at higher heart rates as your, as your fitness improves without having to, uh, run or like walk significantly faster or, or whatever. So for that, I think it's been a great tool. Um, there's definitely some benefit to just carrying more weight on your bone density and the, the effects that that will have. I haven't really done the experiment where you just wear it like around during the day just because I f- would find that like so uncomfortable. I, I am interested to do it and I may do it at some point in the new year um, for uh, I'd have to do it for like a, a decent like at least a month though to really get a good get a good beat on whether it's doing anything. But that's interesting. Just the, there's there's a potential for um, I think the I think the word used in the study was a, a gravitostat, which is like your body's kind of set point weight. And so if you can rapidly increase your body's set point by 20 or 30 or 40 pounds by wearing a weighted vest, then your body's going to want to like ramp up metabolism to lose weight again because your body can't necessarily tell that uh, it's body fat or weight vest. It just knows that it's carrying around a bunch more weight. So it might ramp up metabolism in order to like shed more weight. Um, Whether that's true or not, TBD. I don't. I, the study was inconclusive and all that stuff. It was just a thing that they proposed. It could have also just been like the slight increase in calories from carrying around a weighted vest, and this seems way more reasonable and logical. But the slight increased calories in wearing a weighted vest for extended periods of time, I think it was eight hours a day, um, contributed to weight loss over like the eight weeks or four weeks or whatever it was that the study was done. So interesting. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a good tool to have. Good good tool to have in the toolbox. Um, certainly not necessary, but just a, a, a nice, a nice thing to, to have and to use. Now let's talk about some new year's goal setting. So very exciting news that happened actually just a couple of hours before this 
was um, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I got uh, engaged recently, and we finally um, we finally locked down a date uh, for the wedding. It will be January twenty fifth, twenty twenty five, which gives me thirteen months, almost exactly, to uh, get ready for the wedding, whatever that means. I mean, I'm ready today. We could just do it, but um, obviously, I want to get in my best shape ever for that. Um, and I want to kind of bring you along with me. So last year I set a goal and I believe the wording that I used was something to the effect of, I want to get so jacked and shredded that I look, I, I start to get accused of being on steroids. Now that was like very ambitious. Um, cause I, I'm not nearly big enough. I weigh like 160 pounds. So <laughs> like to, to, to be getting accused, that would be quite ridiculous. Um, but the, the sentiment was there. However, I got injured a lot last year. I hurt my back. I hurt my shoulder snowboarding in January. So I had like, th- I was off to a great start at the beginning of last year, like <laughs> first two, three weeks out of the gates running, going great, hurt my shoulder snowboarding, couldn't really lift like upper body lifts were like real tough, like couldn't do anything overhead, couldn't even do any chest, like anything back, anything was like really tough. It was just painful and I was trying to rehab it and whatever. That took a while and that also led into a back injury. Um, which actually turned out to be more of like a rib injury, but all kind of the same, um, which scared the crap out of me and, and hurt a lot and took, took us time to heal. And I was very cautious with the rehab of that as well. Anyway, safe to say I did not reach my goal <laughs> last year and I really wasn't even close, but because, you know, there's a huge wrench uh, thrown into the, into the situation. Um, I basically didn't train for like eight months, eight and a half months where I was just spent injured slash rehabbing. And like, I was still working out and still exercising and still, you know, keeping up with a lot of stuff. But to say that I was like really training was like, was, was rough. Now, could I have dieted a lot harder during that time? Like I definitely could have, but I didn't, I didn't let go. I just like, didn't really dial it in because I was like, ah, well, I'm not really training anyways. Like I want to, I want to do all this all together. It's easier to kind of go all in rather than just being like super, super on point with, with nutrition and like just rehabbing, uh, training just feels so boring. So anyways, the plan for next year is, is to get to that neck knock on wood. Now, like I'm, uh, I'm healthy, uh, no injuries, nothing going on. There's always little, you know, things that are tight and little nicks and stuff like that, because that's just how my body is. And I have to continue to get better at taking care of that and, and anticipating that and, and all that kind of stuff. But that's just, you know, that's my life. I hope that that's not, that's not the same for you. This is just the way that my body is and my injury history through sport and through everything else. Like I, I never hurt myself in the gym. I just hurt myself doing other stuff. So anyways, um, assuming all that goes well, my, my goal will be, you know, prepping for the wedding. Now I've got 13 months, so it's, it's, quite a bit of time. I don't have to do like a six week push for whatever. Like there will be periods of the year where it's going to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more relaxed based on, you know, things that social stuff and life things that are happening. Um, but it will all be going towards that. So I'm going to try and get to my leanest, biggest and strongest, uh, ever, uh, for that time. And there'll be a, a nice long lead up into that. So the beginning phase will be getting really lean, not, not as lean as I'm going to get at the end, but it'll get really lean, then add some muscle, and then get lean and then get like dialed lean. So that will be the kind of three phases of, of, of the goals setting there. Um, a thing to think about in regards to goal setting is be very realistic about the time frame. Be very realistic about your actual capability and 
understand what it takes to accomplish the goals that you are setting for yourself. Those are the biggest three things that I can say. You can't set a goal to lose 20 pounds in the next month and say that you're going to go to the gym, you know, seven days a week and be 100% perfect with your diet and then not be able to follow through on that because you're setting yourself up for disappointment and like massively dropping on your expectations, which is just really not good for you. It's not that that goal, that goal would be extremely ambitious, but it's not that it's impossible. It's just that you have to understand what it takes to actually get that thing. And, and are you actually willing and able to do it? Like, what if your work is busy? What if, you know, something with your kids or something with something else in your life, your friends, you have parties coming up, you have weddings coming up, you have birthdays, anything like that. If you've got a bunch of stuff going on and you're going to be too tempted to not be able to say no to social obligations or eating good food or drinking or whatever, that makes yourself, that makes your life way harder than, than it would be otherwise. So maybe you just scale back the goal for that short period of time. But the point is really be very realistic about what you're setting out to achieve, the timeline you're giving yourself to achieve it and, and do your best to fully understand what what achieving that goal actually requires. For myself, to get like less than 10% body fat and add like maybe five to eight pounds of muscle kind of thing in, in a year is like, that will be, it'll be tough, but it's like very doable. I mean, I have 13 months, so it's very doable. Um, and notice that I said like five to eight pounds of muscle. I didn't say like 20 pounds of muscle. Unless you're very new to training, which... Of course I'm not unless you're very new to training or very much coming off and uh, like a, you know, a long period off of training or something like that. Um, or you are using some special substances, like you're not adding 20 pounds of muscle in a, in, in a year. Like I've put since, so I lost a little bit of muscle for sure. in The first eight months this year when I wasn't really training that hard, but I've since kind of like put that back on because it kind of just goes away and comes back really fast when it doesn't, when it hasn't been gone for that long. But like, adding an additional like, you know, five pounds of muscle to my whole frame would be, would be tough. Not tough. Just like, it's not going to be that easy because it's like new muscle per se. So first focus for me, getting real lean, be super strict with the diet, very dialed with my steps and my training, which I will all be able to control, uh, very much in the first, for sure. The first quarter of this year. And then I should be able to get to a point. It should take about four months. Should be able to get to a point where like I'm maybe around 12%. I'd say right now I'm sitting around like 15 to 17%, which is slightly higher than I like to be, but it's fine. Um, get down to around 12 by like April, then put some, then maintain that, put some muscle on all the way up until like November, then just like real dial it in and then get, get sub, uh, sub 10% in, in another three months there. So that seems almost reasonable that, that that's pretty that it's ambitious to an extent but also like I, I can do it um because it's also my job and you know I know what I'm doing <laughs> assuming I don't get any uh, known new injuries but again I don't need to talk about myself that much and I'm almost like using this as a my personal diary thinking aloud and telling you what I'm thinking in my head that has no relevance to you whatsoever um your new year's goals make them realistic Make sure you understand what it costs to get them and make sure that the timeline is reasonable. And if you have trouble figuring out what that is, ask someone like me who understands what it takes to achieve these goals and how uh, some some 
potential factors that you might not think of because this is not your job and not your profession, um, some potential roadblocks you might face along the way and how to avoid them, how to get around them, how to you know just completely not have them happen and, and preemptively get ahead of them. These are some of the things that having a coach really helps with an absolute ton. And, and it's almost to, to an underrated uh, degree where it's like, hey, we've been through this ourselves and we've been through this vicariously through so many other people who have different lives than me. Like I've been through it with people who have kids, been through it with people who are older, been through it with women, been through it with men, been through it with teenagers, been through it with all different types of people. So I know what what they go through and it's probably somewhat similar to what you're going through. Like we're all different and we're, we're all unique and all have unique challenges, but like it's not, we're not all as different as you think we are. So really just take the time to, to you know, run it by me, run it by someone else, run it by someone who knows and let us, let us help you out. Let us point you in the right direction to say like, Hey, I, I wouldn't do this. Or I think that that goal is a good goal, but like you got to give yourself more time or it's, you're being too aggressive or you could do it, but this is what it's going to take to do that. Are you willing and able to do that? If yes, proceed. If not, change the goal. All these kind of things. So that's kind of that's kind of my spiel for, for for New Year's goals as you're you know heading into that. You're, hopefully you're listening to this as it comes out kind of in that in-between, that limbo time of year right between Christmas and New Year's um, as you're getting ready to, to, to set goals for the New Year's. And if you want me to coach you, of course, I'd love that. Um, especially if you are getting married in the next year in 2024, or if you're like a, you know, in a wedding party or, um, you know, attending friends, weddings and stuff like that. I know a lot of people in around my age group, we're all kind of in that thing now. Um, do, do it with me, do it with me. This is the thing. We're going through the same things. I know the struggles. I know what you're going through. I'm, I'm going through them too. Um, and it will be really fun to just kind of get it, get a crew of us going together. Um, cause you know, it's your wedding. You, you want to look your best. You're spending so much money and like, whoo, I didn't even get into it in this episode, but the next episode that's coming out, which I recorded yesterday, uh, I have a little rant about the wedding industry and it is, it is, I don't want to, I won't give too much cause I don't want to get myself all fired up right now, but it's a wild place and I don't want to make fun of it too much either because I kind of want a piece of that, <laughs> but, um, that's what we're trying to do here. So if you're getting married, know someone's getting married or, or involved in weddings in, in any way in the next uh, year. And you want to get in shape for that. Hit me up. Let's get to work. Let's do it. Let's help you look your best, feel your best and be your best overall in this next coming year. Um, thank you very much for listening again. 2023 has been an amazing year for the podcast and, and for a lot of other things. So I very much appreciate you being here, continuing to be here and, and always supporting and helping out and, and, you know, just, uh, just listening and learning and growing uh, with me here. If you haven't left a review or share this with a friend, please, please, please do so. I appreciate it immensely. And that's that. Uh, I wishing you the best. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, this will be after Christmas, but Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, happy New Year. All the best to you and, and your family and your loved ones. Go outside. Be a good person. See you next time.